this morning uh, to all of you that are gathered here in the worship center and welcome to all of you who are joining us online we're glad that you're with us as well uh, we have been in this uh, teaching series created uh, for connection and talking about how uh, the connection uh, is so important to us on the the horizontal side we often talk about the vertical piece and that's super important and everything flows out of that but but life for the most part is lived in the in the horizontal uh, and why that's important and why it's important that we be connected together and even right out of Genesis you know we were created uh, for connection the, 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 the only thing in all of creation that wasn't good was man when he was alone humanity alone so we're going to continue with that let's uh, look at our uh, memory verse here this morning um, from John 4 John 13 let's say it together a new command I give you a new command sorry Ooh, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34, and 35. Um, so um, this week we're going to uh, look at another part of these things I kind of laid out for you uh, before, kind of four foundations of healthy connection. Loving and being loved, we talked about that uh, last week, and a couple weeks ago we talked about serving and being served. Uh, and so this week we want to talk about knowing and being known. Uh, and uh, this is a challenging one in, in so many ways, and so as I've worked with this, um, I have really have arrived at a, a deep spiritual truth. Uh, that I think is super important to you spiritually. Um, it, it, it's an ancient kind of wisdom, uh, maybe from the beginning of time, uh, and, and all creation. Uh, so I, I want you to remember this, okay? If you don't remember anything else, remember this, uh, and that is, you're weird. <laughs> yes, you are. You're weird. I can see some of you going, oh, where are you? Yes, you are. You are all weird. I'm, I'm weird, okay? Everybody who's created is weird in some place. In, in fact, we should call this, you know, Generations Community Weird Church or something like that because we're all weird. And if you're not truly weird, you're probably not going to fit in very well. But the reality is you're weird and you know you're weird. Amen? Yeah, we, just a part of it. In fact, we, we love this, this piece of it. We love uh, living in life together with people who know we're weird and accept the fact that we're weird. Amen? Right? You know? In fact, the reality is when you find the right weirdness that fits you, it's like, these are my people. <laughs> How many of you thought these are my people about it? You know, we all, we all have that in some sort of way. And, and the truth of the matter is, Jesus was weird. He was constantly confusing the religious leaders of his day. He, he was breaking the social norms, and, and even his disciples were lost about half of the time. And then Jesus attracted to himself people that were weird, people that were rejected, and, and people that didn't count in society, and, and people that didn't seem to understand anything in all of that. And Jesus had this way of saying, these are my people. You should all say amen there, because that includes us, you know? We're weird, and we're a part of that, and there's something about that that is comforting to us, Amen. And so this morning, I want to talk about a, a, a story in the, in the Bible, in John, uh, that, that I think really helps me a lot in terms of understanding 
uh, the, the weird part of it and why that, how that works in connectedness uh, to one another. Uh, most of you know the story of the woman uh, at, at the well. So let me give you a little background before we jump in. If you have your Bibles, John 4, uh, 5 through 30. We're going to skip through some of that because there's a lot in there that I just don't have time to, to deal with this morning. But um, over the centuries, there was a lot of attention between Samaritans and, and Jews. It was just wasn't a good situation. Uh, all kinds of things had happened. Uh, and about 150 years before this story, the Jews had destroyed the Samaritan's temple. So you imagine how that went over with everybody, right? So uh, that, that's a part of it. And in fact, it was such a big deal that when Jews were going to the north, they would sometimes go around the long way so they didn't have to go through Samaria. Jesus, however, decided that he was going to go through Samaria, right? He made this choice. They went to Samaria. They had been traveling all morning. It is the, the, it's lunchtime. It's hot out in the Middle East in, in that place. Uh, and so Jesus was hungry. So he sent his disciples into the town to go through a drive through and get them something to eat and bring it back uh, for, for him. Uh, and, and then this, this woman comes in the middle of the day. So that's something wrong with that already because most of the women would come in the morning when it was cool. You know, if you've got to do a lot of hard physical work, you don't choose to do it in the middle of the day when it's hot uh, in the Middle East. Uh, and so she comes out there. A Samaritan woman comes out. Um, and, and Jesus asks her for, for water because, again, it was hot. Now, you have to understand, immediately asking her for water was a violation of the rules, right? Number one, she was a woman. And Jews don't talk to strange women. Number two, she was a Samaritan. And they didn't like each other in any way, shape, or form. And as it turns out, number three, she had some pretty big sin in her life. And so this was like way outside of the thing. And so when Jesus asked her for water, she kind of replied with, why are you asking me? You, how, you wouldn't even talk to me. I don't even count in, in, in your world. And, and Jesus kind of says to her, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, you had asked me for living water, which was confusing because that she would have thought of it like a, a springing well, you know, artesian well kind of a thing I went all, with all of that. And then he went on to say, and it, it would satisfy your thirst, okay? Uh, and, and that just confused the tar out of her a, as well. So I want to pick the story kind of up there um, as it, where they're talking about this, this living water. In uh, verse 13, it says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, speaking of the water that, that she had, right? So verse 14, but those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. So that's confusing, right? Wow, magic water, woohoo! She didn't realize that he wasn't talking about H2O anymore. He had made a change. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life, which is interesting. It's kind of play on words because uh, the living water would have referred to that kind of a thing, right? So he's talking that, but then he, then he talks about it gushing up to eternal life. So either he's talking magic or something strange is going on. He is weird. He doesn't talk straight, okay? Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Amen. Right? If you had to go every morning, or in her case, every afternoon, and get a whole big thing of water and put it on your head and carry it back into town, the idea of getting out of that would look really, really nice, you know? I mean, aren't you thankful for indoor plumbing, folks, you know? I mean, there's just things in Scripture you don't realize, like, bless the Lord for indoor plumbing. Okay. Uh, verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. And that would have changed the mood right there. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Which was true, 
but she's kind of hiding stuff here, right? So most of you know the story. It goes on. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. So you're living with him, but you're not married. What you have said is true. Now you have to understand the shock of this situation. Imagine that you go someplace, you're, you're in Walmart or Costco or wherever it is, and you run into this guy and he asks you for something and, and you kind of like talking to him a little bit and all of a sudden he, he points out the biggest sin you've ever had in your life. That secret file that nobody else knows about, maybe even your spouse doesn't know about, all of a sudden he's talking about it in public. And you can imagine her shock in the midst of all of that. And then not only the shock, but the shame that would have flowed with that when that moment came up in her life as she thought about that and she had to confront it. In fact, she was there probably in the afternoon deliberately to avoid the women of the village that would have said things about her and said things to her and all of that. She goes to great lengths to avoid having to deal with this very thing. And all of a sudden, a stranger who is a Jew who thinks they're better than everybody else puts his finger right on it. Get the situation? Her heartbeat is up, you know, things are like, what's he going to do? Where's this at? What's going to happen in the midst of all of that? And, and so there's just, just one little sideline thing I want to say for this because it's true and you need to know it. You cannot hide from God. Amen. You know, you, you, you can't, he knows it all. He knows your greatest moments and your lowest moments, every single one of them, right? And, and the way I say it to just help me to remember is never play hide and seek with God. That is not going to go well for you. And so in this moment, he, there, there's this moment where he, he puts his finger right on that thing. So let's skip to the end. There's a, a theological conversation that happens after this that, that she's kind of trying to work around and figure out, you know, and maybe get him off track and all that. It doesn't work very well. He answers her questions and, and says those sorts of things. And I'd love to talk about, but we need to skip down. So let's skip down now to the end of the story. So the woman left her water pot that seems like a little detail, but that's an important one because she had to walk all the way out there in the heat of the day, get it all out of there, and then drag it back. But she is in such a hurry, such a hurry that she actually leaves her water. I don't know whether she did it accidentally. That seems unlikely. I think she did it on purpose so that she could get back to the city and went to the city and said to the people, and get this, this is one of the most amazing things I think I've ever read in Scripture. It's right up there. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, I'm going to be real frank. Some of you are maybe really mature spiritually, but if I know I'm about to meet a guy that's going to tell me everything I ever did, I'm not going. <laughs> and don't laugh at me because you wouldn't go either, right? It's like, oh, man. And it also kind of implies that he told her more than just the husband thing, that there was something on that, that went on in that. And this, this is what blows my mind, okay? Could this be the Messiah? They left the city and were coming to him. So now they're all coming to him. And the end of the story is revival breaks out. They become followers uh, of Jesus. Uh, probably a church is planted in all of this. But this is what I think is amazing in, in the midst of, of all of this. Uh, and that is um, Jesus handled her sin in such a way that she was drawn to him. Think about that for a moment. I really don't know any other situation 
where someone names your sins personally and publicly and people don't want to run away. She, she said something. There's something happened in there. The way Jesus connected with her was, was so deep and he, he knew her in such a way and, and, and something about that just drawed him. There must not have been any judgment in all of that. There, there weren't any funny looks. In fact, I speculate, I don't know this, I speculate, but I think the reason he sent the disciples to the drive-thru in the city was that they were not going to be able to handle what he was about to do. Talking to a Samaritan woman, who was a woman and who was a sinner and then kind of dealing with her in this situation, they would be going, oh, don't do that, don't talk to her. Have you ever noticed when you do that with people, that does not draw them to Christ? You know, wow, you really are a sinner, you win, you know? Instead, there was something about Jesus and I, and I wish he explained it all, but, but I, he, he, he didn't. I, I just think Jesus did this amazing sort of thing, his love that flowed out of him, his, his ability to draw people. Her, her past didn't seem to matter to him. He kind of states it matter-of-factly. Matter He's going to change her, her future. I wish followers of Jesus were more like this today. I wish followers of Jesus were more like this today. I wish followers of Jesus were more like this today. Yeah. There you go. We can do this all day. But, but it, you know, I, I, I turn on the TV and I see TV preachers and they are screaming and yelling and just, and I want to go, that's not the way Jesus did it. Jesus had something in him that even when confronted with their deepest, deepest brokenness, they were drawn to him. It, it's just an amazing sort of thing. I, I, I saw a meme the other day um, that, that kind of broke my heart, and I know the person that put it up meant well by it. I hope it wasn't somebody in the church here. I don't remember right offhand, but it was a picture of two ships. It was a cruise ship and a battleship, and, and it said basically, you know, Christians today are all on a cruise ship just looking for comfort and ease and having a good time, when in fact the church should actually be a battleship and we should go out and win the war for Jesus. And I wanted to say, I think actually we should be a hospital ship. I think we should be a place where people who are broken and who are caught in sin and people who are struggling with all that stuff where they are welcome and they're loved and they find healing and, 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 and renew life in Christ and living water that changes their lives, amen? I, I hope that that's the kind of, if we're a ship, that we're, a, we're a, a hospital ship. So there's some things about this I think we need to talk about a little bit. One of them is knowing others requires me to be safe. I, you have to be a safe place. If you want people to open up and share it and, and deal with some of that stuff in their life, you have to be safe in, in all of that. You, you can't, you know, be surprised. You can't do all of those sorts of things. Like, oh, that's terrible. Or judgment, you know, you get out your verses and you quote what's wrong with them, right? Then you just love people who want to point out everything that's wrong with you, you know? I mean, plus that could be a long conversation for some of us, you know? There's a lot of things in our lives, you know? Here's, give me, can I just give you a hint? Because I'm going to push you to, to eventually develop kind of open, honest, know-and-be-known kind of relationships. But sometimes, as you might guess as a pastor, people tell me things that, that especially when I was a young pastor, I wanted to go, oh. so I had to develop a set of skills. So here's the two things. I just, they're just knee-jerk reactions because I don't care how big a sinner they are. These are true. I say to people, number one, God loves you so much. Amen. He loves you more than you love your children. 
mistake. I don't care how where they are, God does that. Number two, God is for you. He's not against you. Okay, no matter what's going on, he wants to do healing in you. So I, I say those kinds of things because those are true, amen? I mean, the Samaritan woman was about as far down the road as you go. And, and, he, and he welcomed her, okay? And so this is the reminder part of it. Knowing and being known is risky, right? When you kind of let people into that place where you're at, it, it's risky. You're vulnerable in some sort of way. What will people think, right? Okay, people say, well, I don't care what people think. Well, how about this one? What will they tell others about me? You see, this is why gossip is a sin, right? Because it breaks down relationship between us when we do that sort of thing. In fact, the truth is when someone feels safe enough to share with you, you have been given an extraordinary gift. Let me say that again. When someone feels safe enough to share with you, you've been given an extraordinary gift, a Jesus gift, right? Because now Jesus could just immediately kind of get to that place. For us, it, it, it takes time, but it means you've built enough relationship that they, they trust you and, and they care for you. And, and so I just want you to know, you need to handle that as a sacred trust. Okay? Amen? Because God has chosen you to be a vessel of healing in, in, in their life. Because the truth of the matter is this. Sin separates us from God and each other. And we talk a lot about sin separates us from God, right? We don't talk quite as much about sin separating us from each other. But there's an interesting thing that happens in Genesis, the, the beginning story uh, of God's uh, work in, in the world. Genesis chapter 2, uh, you remember, um, you know, the, the only thing in creation that wasn't good was man or humanity alone. So God creates Eve and brings her to him, and he says, ooh la la. Oh, like you wouldn't think of that too, you know. And the end of that, if you read it, verse 25, it says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, right? So there, there's no shame, it's just... Then chapter 3 of Genesis is, is of course, the fall of humanity when uh, the serpent comes along and tempts them and they eat a Georgia peach, because it wasn't an apple, those are from Washington. Uh, the Georgia peach, and, and they fall, and then th this is what's recorded. Sorry for those of you who are from Georgia. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths from themselves. And so they start to hide from each other. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, fear and shame, because I was naked, and I hid myself. So in those couple, three verses there, we go from, the, from being open and, and unashamed to being cut off from one another, hiding from one another, and hiding from God. It's a devastating passage that, that goes all through the, the re rest of the story of God as he tries to restore us through all of that. that. That's the beginning of shame and hiding and all of those sorts of things. And it's hard for us to let people see the real us warts and all really it's hard for us to see let people see the really us warts and all yeah every one of us are like that i'm like that i like you guys but i got warts you ain't never seeing okay until we get to heaven maybe i don't know but but it, it, our failures our missteps it's, it's just difficult for us because sin separates us from god and from each 
other. And then, as hard as being transparent is and allowing others to really know, allowing ourselves to be known opens the door to healing. Amen? Allowing that, that, that was the whole point. Jesus just didn't point out our sin because he wanted to show that he could do that, right? Hey, look what I can do, you know? I can embarrass anybody. In fact, I heard someone say, God never reveals sin in our lives except to heal it. I want you to hear me because some of you are grappling with this. God never reveals sin in our life except to heal it. Isn't the Holy Spirit wonderful? Holy Spirit does that, that in our lives. And, and so he, he wants to do this thing in, in her, to do this healing in her life. Uh, and that's why he spoke truth to her, right? Okay, it was hard to hear that truth, but he spoke truth to her, did it in a way that he, she was attracted. But here's the underlying issue that gets us in trouble. Secrets are poison. Secrets, bad things grow in the dark. Secrets just wound us in so many ways. And, and, and excuse my kind of medical thing, my family's medical, but when I, when I think about secrets as the wounds that have happened and the sins in our lives that have damaged, damaged our soul, I'm I, I kind of brought back to watching wounds in my own family and physical wounds. And my mom taught nursing, so I... I saw way more than a kid my age should have seen, but, but, but one of them was, was like a, this open, festering wound, and, and nowadays we have really good antibiotics, but this particular situation, the antibiotics weren't working and all of that, and it, and it just became festering and, and ugly and painful and, and red, and then it started to smell bad, you know? And when it starts to smell bad, that changes how people treat you. All of a sudden, you walk into a room, oh, you know, and you try and keep a straight face through all of that. And when that happens in our soul, it does all of those things. It gets red and infected and starts to smell bad. And, and then it begins to change our behavior. And the truth of the matter is, a relatively small wound left unattended can kill you. You don't realize how good we have it with antibacterials in our world. I mean, just 150, 200 years ago, I mean, a fairly small wound that got infected, got gangrenous, all of those sorts of things, it was, it was, it was awful. And, and secrets are like that. Secrets that separate us from one another keep us from experiencing God's horizontal grace. Remember, vertical grace, God pours into us, but horizontal grace is the grace we give to one another. And this story is all about the fact that he comes to her personally and they connect and he shares and God changes her life. And when we are cut off from one another, we are cut off from what I think is in many ways the bulk of God's grace that goes horizontally to us. You are meant to love and minister to one another, amen? amen. Meant to care for one another. We're going we're gonna to talk about celebrating and being celebrated uh, next Sunday, and we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts and how they work and how we should celebrate uh, all of that. But, but he gives us this opportunity to connect with one another for healing, okay? So this is why James said these words. This is where you need to buckle up, because this is the part of the sermon that's going to be like, oh no, ain't going there. Okay, you ready? Okay, James said this, therefore, confess your sins to one another. And you're all going, okay, I'm done, I'm out of here, not doing that. Yeah. And pray for one another so that, the reason you confess to one another, you may be, what's that word? Healed. Healed, and it's more than just emotional wounds, it's spiritual wounds, it's our, our separation from Christ, it's all of that sort of thing. And the prayer of a righteous of the righteous is powerful and, and effective. And the, and the word confess there, we kind of think of that because of 
the prominence of Catholicism as going to a priest. It actually really, the, the way I would say it today is it means own your sin. It's my fault, right? You know, even if it's only 2% my fault, you own the part that belongs to you. You, you know, it's not that person's, it's not, you know, Adam, the second sin, that woman you gave me, it's her fault. She's the one we did that, you know. That, that's, that's the idea here is you own it. And then to one another, to, to the people around you, to that horizontal sort of piece piece of it so that you can be healed and the, the healing comes through the prayer uh, of the saints that we pray for one another and we lift one another up and we encourage one another we talked about covering up sin last time that's the, the sort of thing there you do everything to redeem it and to bring them back I I into the life of, of the body amen we want don't you want to be a part of that kind of body that's the that's the kind of church i want to be a part of but how about you Ooh, that wasn't a very good vote i think i'm in trouble okay that's the kind of body I want to be a part of. How about you? Yes, yes of course we want to be a part of that. Now, you're all getting worried about the confessing, right? right? you got to work into that. So here's what I know about this, just the big concept. Healing happens in oneness. It happens in the connection to one another. I think this is why Jesus prayed at the end of John, Father, make them one. Of all the things he could have prayed for, make them one. I think I would have prayed for power or could you give wisdom to Peter, please help him out a little there or, you know, all the but make them one, because there's a power that happens in all of that. Uh, the wounding that separates us is, is defeated in the coming together with one another and praying for one another. Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens. Bear one of the, the stuff that they're carrying with them that, that's heavy on them, that you might fulfill the law of Christ. Do you want to know how to fill, fulfill the law of Christ? Bear one another's burdens. So, time's getting away here. Uh, everybody needs a small circle of people where they can know and be known. Everyone needs that, that sideways grace, the place of confessing, all of that sort of thing. Sometimes we talk about this in terms of accountability groups, a safe place to be absolutely transparent with one another, okay? It, there's power in this, know and be known uh, in our lives. So I'm going to challenge you, create a circle of friends where you and they can be emotionally and spiritually naked, now, don't go telling my boss that Craig was telling us all we should be naked in church, okay? That's going to get me in trouble. But emotionally and spiritually, absolutely, we should be, uh, no, we should be naked in all of that. And we, Jesus did this this way. There was the 120, right? Kind of a church part. There was the 12 that Jesus was close to uh, and connected. But within that, there were the three. The three that lived with his inner life, that went to him in the deep, dark places. We all need a three in our lives, a place where we can be naked, where we can be honest, where we can share, so that we might be healed in, in all of that. And you've got to be careful about who you choose. I'm not saying just black all over everybody, right? This is about finding a group of people where you can be safe because God wants to do a healing work in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay. So... Among the, greatest Christian, uh, uh, the, among the Christian community's greatest gifts are friends who know you and still like you. I didn't say love you because we have to love each other, amen? Yeah, but that group of people that like you, right? You know, they know your stuff and they know all that things and they know your flaws and they still like you. This is the person when your flaw comes out, doesn't go, oh my goodness, they go, <laughs> you know? In that kind of warm, loving way that we mock each other, guys got me <laughs> you know that that piece of it and so I, I so want this there's something so powerful about knowing and being known 
about realizing that person doesn't like me for what they can get out of me. They know all my stuff, and they like me anyway, and they love me, and they're for me. I have spent good periods of time in my life with accountability partners, and it's one of the most extraordinary gifts you can receive and you can give to, to others in all of that. And, and the truth of the matter is, it, it's just all a part of the weird uncle. You know, last week I told you that, that every family has a weird uncle, and if you don't know who it is in your family, it's probably you, you know? <laughs> Afterwards, somebody came up and said to me, yeah, but weird uncles are fun. And I thought, that's exactly right. And now I'm glad I don't know who the weird uncle is in my family. So <laughs> there's such joy when we can get to this place of knowing and being known, of being transparent in, in what Jesus wants us to do. And then just in closing, if our, our band could come. Jesus didn't come for the water. He came for her. I mean, there's this kind of this theological discussion we've been having, but I, I want you to know that ultimately this is personal. That Jesus Christ, <laughs> he already knows you. And this morning as we, we wrap up, we're going to uh, sing a really great song called No Longer Slaves. And I so desire that for you. And so I don't, I don't know where you are in your, your spiritual journey, but this morning I desire for you that you just get honest with God. And you just start there. Just, Lord, you know my failures, you know my struggles, you know all of my kind of stuff. I want living water. I want that thing that satisfies my soul and keeps me from driving off in all these other directions. And as we sing, I invite you to, to ask the Father for that. The truth of the matter is, we, before you get there, there's a lot of fear, right? Fear that I'm going to be found out. Fear that I don't know what's going on. And that's why I think Scripture says, love casts out fear, right? Because when you live in those kind of relationships, there's something powerful about that that reassures us and gives us comfort in all of this. So as we sing, I invite you to just open your heart. To just say to the Lord, you already know. You already know. Would you come in and, and would you cleanse and would you give me that living water and make me alive in Christ? And if you do that this morning, I want to encourage you afterwards to just let me know. I'd just love to follow up with you and give you a little direction. And if you haven't been baptized, we'd love to baptize you. It's one of our favorite things around here is baptizing people. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, Lord, this is such an extraordinary passage of Scripture that you would put your finger on the very darkest, most difficult secret of her life. She's actually living with somebody unmarried, and for them. So, Father, I, I pray this morning that your spirit would move through this gathering place, Lord. And maybe you've already put your finger on some stuff in people's lives, and, Lord, I, I just know you never reveal sin except that you might heal it, except that you might forgive it, that you might take care of it. And so I pray, Father, as we we sing together that, Father, we would just open our hearts to you, kind of say, search me, O God, and know my heart today. See if there be any wicked way in me. And Father, we ask now that you would come as healing and life to us, just as you did to that woman so long ago. And we thank you and we praise you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Hey church family, thank you so much for watching this video. We hope that God is inspiring you and working in your life. If so, make sure you send this video to a friend so that they can be impacted by the good news of the gospel as well. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single video. And as always, we hope that God is continuing to work and move in your life. Thanks again for watching. God bless.